Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Heart in the Paint podcast. After a little bit of a sick break week, I've had some uh, pretty nasty cold stuff going on the past week or so, but we're good now. So welcome back to your NBA podcast, the only podcast that asks the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, again, joined by Michael. Nonetheless, we have some interesting uh, things to talk about today, of course. Not really a whole lot going on in the NBA season. As you can tell, uh, it's just games on games on games, which is great because there's a lot of exciting matchups to watch and things like that. However, the drama's not really there, so we'll talk about whatever we feel like, really. But before we get into any of that, let's give a special shout-out to our sponsor for this episode, and that is a product I've been using a lot the past week, and that is Hall's Cough Drops. You might know them, you might love them, you might hate them, but that nice, soothing menthol breeze of red cherry, or you can even get flavors like ginger ale or lemon-lime, or uh, they've got 100 flavors these days, but nonetheless, it really soothes those raspy throats. Maybe you got a cold, maybe you've got a cough, whatever it may be. Head over to Halls.com and buy yourself a pack of cough drops. It'll help you, and it'll help your office environment because they won't hear you cough so much. And let's hop right into it. And I'm going to give a special special topic here. Watching a YouTube video the other day, one of these big stats guys, data science stat majors about basketball, And uh, this NBA season, as of yesterday, or I guess the day before, uh, Giannis is averaging the highest PER ever for a player, like blowing Wilt's record out by about a point and a half, which is uh, pretty fucking crazy. (laughs) Uh, And then right behind uh, Wilt, we've got like Luca and Harden this year, which is also pretty fucking crazy because one of those guys is you know not even legal drinking age yet uh not really like a freak athlete either uh so so what are your thoughts on these per numbers do you think they're last do you think it's a sign of the times what, what's going on here uh so i definitely remember seeing this uh definitely have a per thing with Giannis, it it looks like it's truly possible <laughs> I I don't know what the fuck that dude did, but he is definitely better than he was last year. And last year he was obviously the MVP, but he was like just in general he was like the best player in the NBA last year outside of probably Kawhi and Kevin Durant. Uh, so for him to actually get better and then be backed up by the PER data is genuinely insane. Uh. Luca Harden, I understand from if you actually look at their usage stats, I think that helps fill in the gaps on the PER of why Harden and Luca are so high because uh, they touch the ball so much. So it's like naturally like their PER will uh, sort of correlate in that direction. But Giannis is is dude, it's it's insane. Like he he is definitely like one of the best stories of the decade. Just you know coming out kind of nowhere really, in particular in the draft, and then just kind of building, and then it's like. Three, four years ago, we were like, oh, okay, this guy can do it. And then it's like, there was the, I think like two years ago or three years ago, he started leading like his team in every stat category. And then it was like the next year he was like getting 
like 25, 5, 5, 1.5 and 1.5 or something, and then obviously MVP. So it's like the progression is like insane. We don't usually get a whole lot of that anymore. Usually now it's just like players are like Luca, just like great from the beginning, or they're uh, never really panning out. So. Yeah, uh, but he's the ultimate like got... science project. I mean, he's just a well, fucking he, he, massive dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the athleticism. I mean, he basically is fundamentally breaking the physics of basketball in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it's almost like um, uh, shit. What was it called? The you know, like uh, in baseball, there was like whole like uh, analytics craze like twenty years ago. Yeah. And it was like a lot of it was just based around the idea that uh, what people were keeping track of in terms of stats were just like the wrong things to keep a track of. So it's like maybe at this point, like he's just tapping out PER because like that's the only way we know how to judge what he's doing on the court. But until we invent like a new stat category, yeah, yeah, honestly, and and I think it's funny too because he's not really a three-point shooter like a lot of the other people on that list are or what the analytics are these days but he's not bad see that's the thing right he's gotten acceptable yeah you can you can you can not be a great three-point shooter you just can't be a bad one right because otherwise you end up like like westbrook right like westbrook is like historically one of the worst like three-point shooters of all time right but it it gets like even like him it's like it's so masked over by just like everything else he kind of does um but I think for Harden and Luca, it's definitely the usage. Is like they, I mean, they just touch the ball so many times. I mean, probably them and like LeBron. If you just look at like guys in terms of like raw minutes holding the ball, you know, per forty-eight, their ratios are probably pretty high. Yeah, I think another aspect of this too is, uh, you know, PR. I don't think PR really takes into account defense, but out of those like top six PER players right now. It's like Giannis and Wilt are like the only two that play like really good defense on top of leading their team in every offensive category. Yeah. And then it's just like, I mean, different era, right? I mean, when Wilt was playing in the sixties, it's like no three point shot, all these rules. How many dudes were even that tall? Fucking all Uh, these girls. Like, I mean, you're not going to have like a dude who's like from Europe with Nigerian parents playing in the fucking nba like, it just wasn't happening in the 1960s yeah and i think another thing too is just you know the uh especially this year it feels like the the pace of the games really increased a lot like it feels like uh there isn't so much dribble the ball down set up your sets it's like very uh grab and go offense right now especially in, in terms of the rockets and the mavericks like you see that a lot yeah, I think that, I think it's just the idea that everybody's looking for the the inefficiency on the other team, and right now we're in kind of like an offensive boom, um, right? Like like probably like early part of la of the last decade, we were kind of in like a defensive like boom, right? You had kind of the Pistons, you had kind of that Miami Heat team, um, but, but you know it was like it was like if you can score 90 points or you can hold your opponents to like less than like 90 like that's basically the way of winning the title some of those like first teams and then obviously now we're in like an offensive boom and so that means exploiting transition defense which you know some teams they just either they don't have the personnel or you know in kind of Harden's case he just doesn't really give a shit about transition defense i mean he is better but it's like 
he still doesn't really care. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the crazy part is how much more it's like. All right, we're just gonna screen and roll at the top, and we're gonna space it out. We aren't gonna like do this three step ball swing thing and do a pistol here and this, that, and the other. It's like very, uh, almost free flowy, but it's like very high paced too. Like you aren't seeing so much shot clock winding down, jack up a shot kind of stuff, and like people are kind of just taking the first, uh, like quick hitter kind of thing, which. Uh, is enjoyable and you're also seeing like you know teams regularly hit 100 points in the third quarter which is that new offensive boom that you're trying to allude to i'm all down for it high scoring games are entertaining i mean we had that wizards game that was like 150 147 in a a regular like in four quarters yeah (laughs) which is like you know kudos to like the wizards for being like fuck it, we're not going anywhere anyway. We're not making the playoffs. Let's just kind of do our own thing. And if we happen to pick up some wins and be a little fun, and that's kind of what you're looking for in like the NBA for those teams that are uh, basically outside of the playoff picture, but not like truly terrible. Uh, and that's basically where the Wizards are. So it's like, okay, they're finding their own like inefficiency. It's like, ah, we'll just, we'll just be this like, super high 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 scoring team yeah we'll just not play defense (laughs) yeah which is i mean basically that's what we've been knocking dan tony for right and the wizards are basically just doing it out of fun not out of like actually trying to win a title so i think that's why they're not uh as maligned as say the houston rockets but what do you make of the uh, bucks 17 game and counting win streak of which one of those games didn't have didn't even have Giannis playing that seems pretty unacceptable to lose a game or I guess to win a game without Giannis. Like where the fuck are you getting all those other stats from? I don't fucking know. how, And they won so easily too. <laughs> because I actually tuned into that game, not realizing that Giannis wasn't playing for the first like five minutes. It's like, where is he? Can't find him on the court. <laughs> and then I end up like looking at the injury report and it's like, Oh, he's resting. And it's, Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I truly do not know how to, put into grips what he's doing. I mean, this is, it's sort of resembling that one LeBron year where the Miami Heat went like 20, was it 22 games, 23 games? No, it was like 20. I think it was 26, wasn't it? 27? I think 27 was the record or something. They were were just a few, well, I think the record's like 32 or 33 from the Lakers, but basically they were, they were like hunting it, right? Yeah. Um, As well as like that year that, uh, the 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 seventy three nine year where like the Warriors start out twenty four and zero, yeah, and it's yeah. like it's kind of fun once like a team finally hits like the fifteen game mark and it's like oh okay this could be like now they're trying to keep the streak alive as opposed to just kind of racking up wins. You think that they can get to that uh, you know mid late twenties mark? <laughs> I'd have to actually look at their schedule in particular, but I mean they've been I mean think about it all right they've already played the clippers twice and beat them um i think they've already played boston philly and the lakers so it's like if the stretch of games includes like i don't know like a bunch of teams from the south southeast um that could probably get you there um i have to check who they're playing on christmas because i'm sure that they've got to be playing on christmas yeah uh, are. and i mean Weirdly, there's actually a lot of really good teams at home. Like everybody's away record is kind of weird. 
this year, but um, like the Bucks are like twelve and one at home, the Sixers are fourteen and zero, the Miami, Miami Heat are eleven and one, and Boston's like ten and one. So it's like they're all really good at home, but on the road not so much. So it's like if any of those teams have to go to Milwaukee to play games, I think that's a, another easy way of them picking up some wins. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Speaking of which, uh, that Miami game last night where they got that first home loss versus the Lakers, what a great game. Like, that was – felt like a playoff game almost. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I know you and I were, like, pretty high on Miami. I think we had them, like, either third or fourth in the East in our, like, preseason pods, uh, pretty much right behind Milwaukee and Philly, which is basically where they are right now as of the 14th of December. But uh, just – it's like – it's nice to see a team that actually is playing defense and like with some intensity. And it's like, they kind of got rid of like Hassan Whiteside and it's like, you got all these guys who are just trying to hustle. Yeah. It feels really nice to watch. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're like, wait, they put up 115 points, but then it's like, how do they actually get to that mark? And then you look and it's like, Oh, Kendrick Nunn and like uh, Duncan Robinson and like Tyler Harrow combined put up like 85 points. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah, and honestly, I don't think that game should have been uh, that close, it seemed like, because you look at the uh, the numbers on the board, how many rebounds, and it was like, the Lakers had like plus 20 rebounds over them. It was insane. Yeah, but they're a huge team, right? I mean, just in general. Yeah, I mean, you just have AD and LeBron. I mean, that's enough rebounds right there, but your biggest guy in Miami is just Bam? Like, oh, God. And Bam is like... Not bad. Pascal like, Bam's Siak- pretty good. Well, right now, he's like playing like Pascal Siakam. It's like weirdly he's kind of their most important player like i know they have jimmy butler and justice winslow but i kind of feel like bam is 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 actually the guy that makes that team work dude i think i i think i said that last year like when we were doing previews like a player that could break out i was like oh yeah this is bam's year i said that last year so it's finally nice to see it a year late (laughs) like i i love that guy i have him on uh my fucking uh 2k like uh card collecting game whatever ultimate team they're just like he's so low rated but he's just so solid like he screens well he rebounds well he jumps high like he's pretty strong has a really good uh like 17 footer like it can kind of do it all i mean you can see it in that miami game like he was bringing the ball up the court a lot of times which is like just fucking and crazy to me but you know who does a lot of those things that we have zero evidence for yeah zion williamson Ooh, Where's this man at, dude? Where's he at? Sitting on the bench, right? Is he gonna play this year? Well, okay. So the do- the prognosis was what a torn meniscus, right? They initially, I think it was like six to eight weeks. We've clearly run past that. He's not playing, you know, until January. Until January at this point, but it's like. At what point does he just do they just not even I think they're gonna redshirt him the whole year. I think they're gonna do the the Simmons and Embiid thing and just say all right. Blake thing, yeah. yeah, just sit the year out, get some training, you know, maybe you'll do a couple contact practices here and there, but it's kinda like just hold him in the bank. It's like why risk him coming back so early when the Pelicans are maybe they're in the edge of that playoff hunt. They aren't so bad right now. Like Ingram's amazing. Oh, it no, seems no. like they are. They are. They are basically done, dude. Oh, they're 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 out like out? they're they're. I mean, mathematically, no, but I mean, they're basically like right around that Golden State, Memphis sort of range, 
like like very clearly outside of the top like 11 12 see the crazy thing to me is, is when you watch their games they actually look decent for about three quarters and then that fourth quarter they just completely fall apart see i think i see that whole thing with the pelicans being like this truly validates that as as like how good lebron is from last year even though lebron missed like all those fucking games they still only ended up like 10th or 11th until like lebron stopped playing right and it was like that's basically the same team that the pelicans have is all those young guys tacked on with drew holiday who i think is you know Falling out, all yeah. around he looks player. amazing like, <laughs> and then jj reddick and it's like that team sucks <laughs> like that team is is exciting but like fundamentally sucks at playing basketball which it's like you flip it the other way and it's like the lakers are basically like one of the three best teams in the league <laughs> i don't know i still like even though the pelicans are bad record wise like i don't know the games still seem competitive to me which is weird it's not like warriors games where it's like all right just turn this shit off right away yeah i think the pelicans are kind of in that like washington wizard sort of vibe where it's like they're a bad team but there's nothing that you can root against them for. Like you're, you're always kind of rooting for them, even though this team is just absolutely awful. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think that's kind of what happens when Brandon Ingram is basically your, your, your top scorer. I mean, he looks good though. Like I thought he would, he wouldn't be this good, but maybe he's a good stats, bad team guy. I don't know. I just don't think he's ever going to be the guy who we hope he's going to be. But speaking of guys that we hope they're going to be, who are we hoping is going to be the new Knicks head coach? Because they fired Fizdale like we all suggested they shouldn't. And now they have the worst uh, franchise record since 1999 out of every NBA team. All right. So the obvious one's got to be like Mark Jackson has to be like Jason Kidd. Those have to be like the most obvious ones, right? In terms of yeah, those are the rumors I've heard is Jason Kidd and Mark Jackson. If they want to go with coaches who have prior NBA experience, but at this point, it's like, why even bother with that? Why not just go super outside the bubble and look towards Memphis, the University of Memphis, and go after Penny Hardaway? That'd be pretty nice. I, I wouldn't be against that. He's got the, the freshest sneaker game out of every head coach I've ever seen. <laughs> Dude regularly drops like 5k shoes like just casually in warm-ups but uh i really like the mark jackson spot i think like that one seems to make more sense to me out of the three i just don't think it matters i think i think whoever comes in is is it's not gonna work i mean the the problems with like the ownership and like the super high up like executive level right and obviously like the owner can't really like he's not gonna he can't, like you can't get rid of the owner right i mean it's um, I mean, that's just basic, like, U.S. property rights. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, you got you to gotta so David Sterling or Donald Sterling him out of there somehow. Yes, I don't know. I, I think maybe, like, Fisdale, I think he's definitely going to get picked up, though. Like, that dude is way too, like... Important. He kind of just, yeah. just kind of gets it. And I think it's just a matter of him ending up at the right spot. And honestly, if he lays off for like a little while and stays like a little quiet, I mean, San Antonio is eventually going to have to like part ways with Pop. Um, although sure. I would, I think San Antonio would feed from within. Mm-hmm. But then you look at like some of the more like 
tumultuous franchises that have talent like Philly and Houston. And it's like, ah, oh, maybe Fizz could like get figure it out for Ben Simmons. Or maybe he can like finally get Harden over the hump. What about like uh I mean I know you said Penny Hardaway, but you know, I think the way you know, we look at the last couple like fresh coaching hires, you know, you got uh, oh, Nick Nurse. Yeah, Just Nick Nurse. Title. Yeah, I mean... Even Steve Kerr, I mean, if you think about it, like... I mean, Brad Stevens has only been coaching for like four years, right? Five years. He just came straight from college. You got a lot of much. choices you can go with here, but the problem is, is who is making those choices, like you said. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I mean, there's just there's just no real fucking hope for the franchise. Yeah. Then... Although, although, I think they did win last night, so I think they are they are no longer the worst team in the league. I think Golden State has fallen back down into the worst team spot. But The upside is R.J. Barrett seems to be pretty solid. So, hey, you didn't draft a total bust, so that's good. <laughs> um, speaking of busts, Embiid had a zero-point stat line. Uh, so your fresh take is Embiid is the next Roy Hibbert. You want to explain that one? He could be, right? I mean... He has been wildly up and down this year. Don't you think? Like, I don't know how much Embiid you have seen this year, but he has been wildly up and down. I don't know. I saw so, the Philly versus, uh, who are they playing, like, two nights ago. He looked pretty Boston. freaking dominant. Yeah, I think it was Boston. He looked like he just manhandled them and took over. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, in some games, he looks like how we would think Embiid this season would look. And then... You know, the game I'm referencing is basically from a few weeks back uh, where they played Toronto uh, in Toronto and Embiid had zero points in like 32, 33 minutes. Like his usual playing time of minutes, but he had like zero points, which is pretty insane to think about. I mean, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Points in like a full game. We said this last time around. Mark Gasol <laughs> is Embiid's kryptonite. Like I get it, but zero fucking points. Yeah, it's pretty fucking unbelievable. Like, free throws, like Embiid gets to the free throw line a lot, and he's actually like a decent free throw shooter, right? Like he's for a big guy. Like he's actually like pretty well like reliable. But this here is just his. I don't know. Like something's not right with the man, dude. Like he his games are just so up and down, and I mean, it hasn't really affected Philly, right? So I I think it's like one of those things where it's like that year that Roy Hibbert like just completely fell apart in the playoffs was like the year that they made it to like the Eastern Conference Finals. So his performance didn't detriment like it wasn't like detrimental to his team's uh you know overall impact, right? I mean Philly is sitting second or third in the East right now, which is a pretty good spot considering Milwaukee has won like 17 million games. But just in general, like his all right, I'm I'm gonna like find a seat. All right, so if we just look at like his last five six games, he's put up 16, then 26, then 10, then 22, then 38, which was that Boston game, and then 24 last night. And it's like it's a lot of variation. Exactly. So that was kind of the problem with Roy Hibbert. It's like sometimes Roy Hibbert would give you like a 20 20 game, and then like he'd give you like a 0.6 rebounds kind of game, and you know, ultimately that can't happen, and this definitely can't happen on Philly because Embiid's their best player. <laughs> He's kind of like their only guy that could even be in an MVP conversation. 
plus, I, I don't know. I mean, Philly, it's, you know, I think you and I were looking forward to them being kind of uh, this gigantic monster that's a little, like, off tilt. Like, it's not exactly leaning into the three-point revolution. Uh, but having Horford, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Embiid together, uh, I mean, a quarter of the way through the season, it is not looking great. Yeah. It's like one of those things where, like, the talent is kind of winning them out, but that's kind of how I, I feel. Think I, I think I might have finally been convinced that Ben Simmons and Embiid cannot play together. See, so the couple things I'll say about Philly is we talked about this already like four times. The that Thibault guy is really fucking good. Like yes, I love him. Yes. Really fucking good. <laughs> like he might be my favorite rookie that's not gonna win any like votes for anything except like all defensive first. Um Wait, so, that dude could make third like all NBA defense right now. Yeah, pretty much. Uh I think the other thing too is the surprising kind of twist to me, besides like adding Horford and re-signing the other guy, um, is Ben Simmons' defense seems a lot better. Seems weird well, to say. Year, last year, I thought he was a good defender. Like I thought he was like. It seems like his steals numbers are really high this year. Like it seems like he's playing passing lanes really well, and his like team defense is a lot better. Rather than last year, is a little bit more of like an individual defender. Yeah, I mean, that's all well and good. The problem is he's bringing absolutely nothing to, like, the scoring side of the game, which, I mean, it really is, like, hurting everybody else on the floor. The fact that he can't or he won't just put up shots. I mean, I mean, it is really hurting the team right now. It feels, you know what this team feels like? It feels like if the Timberwolves had, like, another star player or two and like the chemistry just isn't quite working, but it seems like they should just be winning off sheer talent. I don't want to like, I can't think back to what year that might've been, but, uh, I was going to say like this Ben Simmons thing is almost like if Tony Allen was like your point guard for that Memphis team, it's like, what if you just didn't have Mike Conley and Tony Allen was like your point guard? I mean, that's what basically we're looking at. It's I'm like... sure that's what the Jazz would rather have right now. <laughs> can we just can we just pivot to that right away? So yeah, let's do it. Hit us, fucking hit us jazz, jazz, man. Corner. They've lost like nine out of their last eleven games. Like it's really sad, and like half of them are. I mean, most of them was on this like really long road trip, but then they come back and they lose right away, and then they like. You know what's funny though? They're God. still like a top five top six team in the west right yeah i mean they're not like lakers clippers mavs but i'm pretty sure they're probably right around that kind of like they're in that bottom half of the playoff picture yeah i mean they're they're not terrible but golly it just you know it's so weird to think that this team was better with favors instead of mike conley but it seems like they need uh crowder and favors back to have like some more <laughs> big boy like uh low post kind of things going on because like what we figured out recently is it's kind of like the deandre jordan effect when you don't have blake griffin on that clippers team it's like yeah you know it's like having simmons just kind of sit there on the low post while everyone else on philly tries to do things because he's such an offensive liability 
that he kind of has to sit really close to the rim so nobody can make a layup. Everyone has to shoot these floaters all the fucking time. And even though Mike Conley is supposedly the floater god, he's like got the worst shooting in in the league right now, just across the fucking board. And you don't get any of these sick Mitchell dunks because you can't pull favors away from the rim anymore. You don't have this cool high low you can do anymore. You don't have, uh, you know, your backup big is this Tony uh, Bradley guy and uh, Ed Davis, and neither of those guys can play like mid-range low post. So you've got a spacing conundrum and sure you got Bogdanovich and he's looked really good and he's like helped out a lot but you know if he can't get to the rim at all because he's screen and role plays limited uh then it doesn't open up his three-point game like it should and vice versa so I I don't know man like I think this team needs like a drastic change I actually don't think they need a drastic change. I think what it is, is I think the, the comparison to make is to look at Boston. Because Boston also has a point guard who is basically on the smaller end, right? Kemba's a lot, like a relatively small guy. And then the problem is Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell are both smaller guards. So basically when, you know, basically you just came with the trap game, right? That's what basically hammers out Portland the last few years, right? Portland, their backcourt is just a smaller backcourt. And so Boston can kind of get away with it because at least Marcus Smart is a good defender. And then they have, you know, Hayward, Tatum, and Brown, who basically are allow you to switch up on a bunch of stuff to get, like, Kemba onto the we- onto the other team's weakest uh, offensive player. The Jazz can't really do that. They don't really have that versatility. So I think it's not even that. I think it's straight up just, like, if they had an Andre Iguodala, just – that would allow them to do a little bit more switching on defense. So that way you're forcing it onto like either Andre Iguodala, Joe Ingles is not bad, but obviously has not like, he has no like lateral quickness and then, or Rudy Gobert. And so I think then you'd be a little covered because Conley and uh, uh, Mitchell are a little like undersized, right? They're both like under six, three. Honestly. Yeah. That would be a really sick pickup if they could somehow sign Andre Iguodala. Like that would fit in perfectly. go there but because what they need is they need like a they need like that that jay crowder like power forward type and angles and like bogdanovich aren't really power forwards they're small forwards yeah they're small forwards they're like they're they're definitely not in Giannis and Kawhi and you know all those guys so like they need that kind of person or they need like a uh I mean, you're not going to get, like, a Marc Gasol-type guy, but that would be really nice, too. What about, like, a Jerry and Grant? Or Jeremy Grant? Jerry and Grant? Jeremy Grant? Either one. <laughs> uh, Which is the one that plays on the Nuggets? <laughs> Who was on OKC? Jeremy I think Grant? that's Jeremy, yeah. Okay. I think Jerry was the one on Chicago for a while. Ah, uh, okay, okay. That wouldn't be bad. Jeremy Grant, then? Yeah, I, I feel am. like then he gives you points, rebounds, gives you defense. I mean, what about a Paul Millsap? I mean... That you know, and I bet you Denver would be looking to offload Millsap so they can free up some minutes for Grant and Michael Porter Jr. Makes a lot of sense to me because you need a little go-getter offense in a post. You know, it gives you a different look. Gives you a LeBron type size person. He's already uh, played there a bunch of years. Yeah, it'd be a nice way for him to retire. I mean, the contract's kind of a big deal. Like you'd have to really 
you probably have to get rid of somebody important. Obviously, like I don't know, like no, like who the fuck would want to trade for Mike Conley right now is the bigger problem. Like big ass contract, really underperforming. What about, uh, Philly. Philly. I, Philly needs a fucking guard who can put up some threes. All right, here's they, what you do. They need something, dude. You do the direct trade. Donovan Mitchell for Ben Simmons right now. Who says no? <laughs> Which rookie of the year says no? <laughs> so that actually brings me to like, okay, so I had a section, right, down here uh, called quarter season panic trades is basically how I titled it. And I actually did that at Philly uh, because basically my conundrum is, is Philly a bad team that is overachieving right now so they seem good or are they a good team that is actually just playing really poorly so they're actually a bad good team so let's just say if you take out like the money and the contract situations and all the clauses because like tomorrow december 15th is basically when the trade trade uh, opens up or guys become eligible to be traded ben simmons for mike conley would you make that trade not factoring in the money or anything like that. Just no. It's like a, let's say it's a one year. Let's say it's a one year, like thing. It's like you finish the year with Mike Conley, or you finish the year with Ben Simmons, and that's it. Like at the end of the at the end of the season, you can reverse the trade. See, the funny thing is, is that trade seems to make sense because both are like seem like offensive liabilities right now. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I feel like you have to get like Donovan for for ben like i feel like that's the only equal trade that works if yeah what i'm saying is like don't worry about like it being like equal in terms of like no 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 no, no, not value but like if i was philly i would not want mike conley i would rather have i would want donovan all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna list a bunch of names and you tell me when i hit a guy okay you can either make the trade or you can't make the trade ben simmons for bradley beal would you make that trade if you're philly no Ben Simmons for Devin Booker, would you make that trade for Philly? Mm, that one's kind of tough. I kind of want to say yes. Kyrie? Uh, no. Wiggins? Yes. Jimmy Butler? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carmelo? Nah. Uh, so okay. so I've said Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that you wouldn't do Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons. It's pretty close, but I think the problem is is I don't trust Bradley Beal. Like I, I'm I have him a lot lower than everyone else does on my totem pole. You don't trust Bradley Beal in terms of what? Hitting a clutch three? Um, I, I think you you want the. Like, you obviously want the playmaker, right? Because you're looking for a point guard. I think Bradley Beal is just not that guy. I don't watch Washington, so I have no fucking clue. But, like, I just don't. I've never been high on him. I just don't like him. What about Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons? No, I wouldn't do it. Okay, so you still have Ben Simmons like fairly ranked fairly highly then in this situation. The problem is like a lot of those guys, I feel like Ben still has potential to grow. Like I feel like Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Uh, but do you think he has potential with Embiid? 
See, my thing is, I still love Ben Simmons. I just don't know if he can play with Embiid. I just don't know if having Embiid and Ben Simmons play on the same team on offense is going to lead to a title. I think it. I still think that there's a chance. I'm not. I'm not off the ship yet. I think okay. the, the big deal comes. I think we need to be looking more at who the fuck do you trade Brett Brown for? Because if they do that another like postseason, just like shitty play calling collapse thing that they have been doing, like that dude has to be on the chopping block. Like, oh my god, please! Because <laughs> everyone knows he has too much talent to work with. Like he has basically four all stars. And if you can't get to the Eastern Conference Finals with that and, like, good decision-making from play design, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Pretty much. I mean, especially when you look when you look at Toronto, right? A team that a lot of us probably thought they were going to start selling off pieces. And instead, they're actually putting together, like, a decent uh, title, like, uh, what do you call it? Title defense, I guess? Like, Toronto's actually putting it together pretty well. And a lot of that probably has to do with the coaching. Yeah, no, absolutely. Toronto's got, like, some of the craziest defensive schemes. Like, it's kind of wild. They're doing these, like, triangle and two defenses, like, consistently. They're just... I'm not going to say they're, like, I've gone out of my way to watch a bunch of Toronto games. But if it's, like, Toronto-Miami or, like, Toronto-Clippers, uh, like... It's like, okay, Toronto-Miami, probably very even matched. Between Toronto and the Clippers, it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure the Clippers are going to win, like, 95% of the time. But it's like, I'm still willing to at least watch the first half just to see what Toronto will try to throw at Kawhi and Paul George. As opposed to the other way around. It's like, I'm so much more intrigued by, like, what will Toronto do with another team than, like, that actual other team. Yeah, no, that's, that's a that's a really good way to point to point it. Um, so speaking so, of which, I was gonna say, well, okay, so other thing with this whole Kyrie thing. Oh, so Kyrie did not play in the two games where the Nets played Boston. Did you happen to see any of those clips where they're just like the fans are just like chanting a bunch of shit about, about Kyrie? Oh, I didn't. I didn't even know this. I I haven't watched any Kyrie. Oh, okay. So Kyrie hasn't been playing for like the last little while, right? And the Nets have actually like taken off as a result. It's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> um, they've actually had a bit of a turnaround <laughs> since he's been injured, and they played Boston twice on like over a weekend, and uh, both times like bought the Boston like Garden fans were basically just like trolling the shit out of Kyrie because he didn't even show up to the game. Wow. So they're just like chanting like "Where's Kyrie?" and like "Kyrie sucks" and all this other like stuff. And it was actually pretty, pretty hilarious. But I I don't know. It's like I was gonna say like what's your what's your take on uh the Boston Brooklyn dynamic? It seems like it's pretty pretty much decided. Is this gonna be Boston like a new rivalry? I, I don't think it can be, because it kind of requires like a rival like a good rivalry has to have either two really good teams or two really bad teams. But it can't be like oh Boston's good, Brooklyn's not, so they're it's not fun. It's like both teams have to be either really good or really bad at the same time. All right. This isn't that. Like, I know that, like, probably in the seeding wise, like, and probably in the East, like, Boston's probably, like, between, like, a three and a four, and Brooklyn might be, like, the five seed. So it's like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. It's like a four or five matchup, but it's like, there is, like, a considerable gap in terms of, like, uh, performance there. 
that's that's a little bit of a shame. I'd like to see a nice uh, Boston. I, mean, I guess we still have Boston Philly as kind of a rivalry. I would say so, especially because Boston has no interior big men outside of Cantor. And then that's all kind of Philly is. And then you throw in kind of the Ben Simmons versus Jason Tatum thing, and it's like, I don't know. It's like, matchup-wise, I think there's just a lot of interesting matchups between those two teams. Uh, what do you make of the Detroit Pistons? This is another team that I actually uh, had in kind of this panic trade type situation because they are not looking good. I thought they were going to be a lot better. I thought they were going to be basically on the like 7-8 seed in the East kind of thing, and they are been pretty awful to watch. So... Yeah, it's pretty rough. I think the biggest trap in terms of every trade you can make is somehow spending it all to get Andre Drummond. Like, I think he's overrated. I think he's a good stats, bad team guy. So, the, sorry, so the question I was going to pose to you was, is Andre Drummond the Pistons' best player right now? <laughs> Absolutely not. Is he outplaying Blake Griffin? He, I think he might actually be better than Blake Griffin right now. So, I was watching a, a thing about... Um, it was a whole video about the like rebound percentage stat and like, uh, okay. uh, like you know available rebounds versus like sucking rebounds away and vice versa. And Andre Drummond's apparently like one of the worst players in the league of just like sucking up useless rebounds, like just like stealing them from teammates and things like that. Uh, which isn't like inherently obvious by watching him, but like when you see he just kind of is always under the rim without much rhyme or reason kind of like other players that were bagging on this episode i guess it's just like oh he's gonna end up with a dumb rebound or like oh he's gonna miss his own shot twice and grab the rebound twice like yeah i think he's and, and like he's been here for quite some time like hasn't really evolved his game too much I mean, there was those couple, like, there's those couple spots every year where he's, like, a 2020 guy for, like, six games in a row, and we're all like, is Andre Drummond the best big man in the league? It's like, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> like, I think he's, I, I don't like him. I don't think he's worth the money. Do you think Blake Griffin has value? Blake he's Griffin, on the other hand, I think he has value. What if What team... If you're if you were a team and you're looking to get, pick up a a Blake Griffin type, like a guy that can play the four, can maybe play the three a little bit, definitely has you know some ball handling skill, can hit a little bit on the mid range, but not quite that athleticism they used to have. If I was Post Philly, I would I would do this trade. Tobias Harris for Blake Griffin? Yes, absolutely. What if you were OKC? Steven Adams and Gallinari. I'd be tempted to do a Gallinari trade straight up. That seems that seems to make a lot of sense to me. Houston, Clint Capella for Blake Griffin. Nah, sorry, fam. I ain't uh, Wiggins for Blake Griffin. No. Aaron Gordon for Blake Griffin. Absolutely not. 
You know what team could could use this trade though? Portland. I was gonna say Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for Blake in Utah with Rudy and uh, Donovan. That'd be sick. I mean, that'd be pretty. They insane, almost lob city. <laughs> the pick and roll would be amazing to watch between those three guys. Like I'd dump, I'd dump uh, like Bogdanovich plus one for that. Like I'd be okay with that. I think. I mean, I haven't watched a whole lot of Utah Jazz games. Most of it's like a lot of them are on the West Coast, and it's they're not very of, fun to watch. Yeah, and that's like the other thing. It's like I'm not really like uh, I want to go watch Donovan Mitchell on offense type thing. Like it's just. Like, people, like, uh, hate, like, the Harden style. I don't actually hate the Harden style. I actually think it's, like, kind of fun to watch. But I, I can't really stand to watch Donovan Mitchell on offense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty very, rough. Like, it's yeah, good it's at the end of games, but, like, you, you just tune in if it's close. Like, if it's... Oh, but that's because, like, all ISO ball is, like, very good last four minutes of a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, they're, they're like, second... Like, like, end of the first quarter when all their stars sit. It's just, like... Snooze, click. <laughs> like that's uh, pretty rough. Yeah, I think uh, Blake to Portland would be pretty interesting too. Maybe like Blake to uh, some other team. I think the Warriors would be hilarious. I I do not think they will be making that move. Um, the other one I could kind of maybe see is like the Kings, because they need something to get them going a little bit. They're kind of like they, the Kings can still like they can make the playoffs in the West. Like this is not like out of contention at all. But they seem like they need something different. Like get Harrison Barnes out of there and maybe Bogdanovich and like uh, throw in Blake Griffin. Here's the trade: Blake Griffin for Kristaps Porzingis. I would actually say no, because I think you're 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 taking away the whole Euro team chemistry thing. Last night, Luca and Kristaps like did like the the Dwayne Wade Lebron dunk thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, that was pretty sick. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really down on KP this year. It's just it's, he he seems like just like a Bargnani right now almost. I can't. I mean, I can get that, but I I think he's still like. I don't know. He's just he's got something there that's keeping that team. It's almost like Rudy Gobert. Where, you know, he's not quite as good as, like, defensively Rudy Gobert. But there's, like, just something where it's, like, he's so big that he just kind of, like, deters people from even trying. So it's, like, you can't really measure that as a stat. It's, like, a deterrent. But that's what he does. He just kind of anchors, like, in the paint. And, like, nobody wants to drive. And it's, like, he's not going to pick up that, like, kind of stat. Because, like, we don't have a stat for, like, leaving the paint because of big guys there. But if there was that stat, he'd be, like... Number two or three, I would think. I feel like he used to be effect, better. Do you think the mellow effect has worn off? They've lost three out of the last four. Yeah. Like, granted, it was, you know, one of those games was against, like, the Lakers and another, I think, against, like, either Utah or Denver or Portland or something. It was Denver, but yeah. The one win, I think, was, like, against the Knicks. So it's like, ah, okay, well... Dude, I don't, I don't like, uh, I really hope this team gets it together because it seems really bad now that you signed your mama's boys to like fucking max, max contracts and now you're in this tailspin. Like, geez. Yeah, they are very much locked in. What about uh, CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons? 
Dude, I'd fucking do it. Why not? <laughs> um, who else could they get? Kevin Love. Oh, what if Kevin Love went to Portland? Yeah, this is the like the thing everyone's saying. Like Kevin Love to oh, Portland. Shit. Really? Yeah. Like <laughs> not the, people were saying that last year too. I think we were saying that last year. Oh, we probably said it last year. But I think that's just because we. Kevin Love is probably overrated because of the money, but it's like if you take out the contract situation, like I think people would want him. I think it's just the fact that his contract is just such a like a beast that it's like nobody wants that. Yeah, people are saying that they should redo the CBA to allow for because uh, like right now you can only trade like 125 percent value like in an equal trade to make it work, but they should up it to 150 percent because of how bloated everyone's contracts has gotten. Like there's more, uh, you know, like the highest contracts and the lowest oh, contracts like are so. And the type of trade you can make. Yeah, because right now if it's like too much disparity, you can't make the trade, right? So they want to increase the disparity you can do to make a trade. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. What about the other uh, thing that's been like floating around the league about the whole midseason tournament thing? Dude, that's that's. I'm fucking down with that. The more I the more I see like a really educated answer on it, the more I'm like, yeah, why not? And the more I see Clippers games without Paul George and Kawhi, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck them. Because <laughs> like Which, the fucking uh, game yeah, last night, mean. it's like like they played the Timberwolves, and it was just like Kawhi and Paul George had literally all their team's points, and it looked so fucking easy for them. Like, why can't I see this every fucking night? Like, this is just a, a surgical knife, just just ripping the, the Timberwolves right open. You know, okay, we took the liver out. Okay, here's the spleen. All right, there's the heart. It was just, oh, my God, it was brutal. What's been your favorite, uh, I guess, proposal regarding the midseason tournament? There's, like, a few different, like, uh, I guess, media outlets or, like, sports, like, writing or sports, like, journalists have, like, offered a few different templates for this stuff. Because I think, like, the league one was, like, just kind of the, the one that was, like, you know, basically leaked or whatever was, like, the – just, like, a just like a, a play – like, a, like a, just a regular tournament that's, like, cash prize kind of thing. But, like, other people have, like, tweaked it a little bit. I really like the idea that there's a draft pick involved somehow. Like, because you have to encourage teams to want to win that for more than just – oh, the owners make a lot of money, or oh, the players make a whole lot of money. Like, there used to be a long-term uh, reason to want See, to win it. The counterpoint that I heard about this one on the uh, the Bill Simmons podcast was that why would players care about, like, a draft pick? Like, why would Kawhi or, like, LeBron give a shit about, like, the 2025, like, NBA draft pick? Why would it be 2025? Yeah. Why or whatever it is. Year? Like even if it was like twenty twenty, like why would why would LeBron care what the draft pick is? Like he just traded his entire team last like over the summer for Anthony Davis. Because that draft pick that could be let's just say it's like RJ Barrett level of talent, right? Not like Luca or Trey Young or anything too crazy. You fucking use that and you get yourself another star player. Oh, okay. So you're doing it for like okay. I could kind of Like that's that. what LeBron would want to use it for, right? Like the stars would want to just convert that into you know another asset yeah because you're basically like yeah i mean it's i don't know if you'd make it like guaranteed like lottery pick or i see what you're saying though it'd be like like let's say let's say like this had already happened and let's say like the lakers won so they had the pick and let's say like 
you know, whatever it ended up being like, the Lakers had like the what the fourth pick in last year's draft or something, or like the fifth pick or something, like something like a little higher. And then it's like you could throw that into the Anthony Davis package, and then it's like, oh, you get to keep like Lonzo. Yeah. So it's like you don't have to actually trade Lonzo. It's like, oh, okay, you get to keep like Lonzo and substitute it for like one of these picks. And also like what helped to discourage tanking, right? Because now you're saying, you know, you have like this random slot in your lottery pool for like whoever wins the midseason tournament. And now it's like, I don't know what percentage you'd give them of getting the number one pick or something like that. Or if it like steals a pick from somebody, but uh, like, I feel like that's the way you like, maybe you combo like this draft lottery odd with a cash prize or something like that. So you have like a little immediate impact for the players, a little long-term impact for the players and franchise as well. I think that's the right way to do it. I'm not sure what that balance needs to be or like how many teams play or whatever. And obviously the biggest problem here with this whole midseason tournament is the media has to find a way to make it as important as the actual championship. Or fun, yeah, I mean, but I think, I think that happens by itself. I mean, that's just like, it's the first time you do it, it's like, oh, what is this whole, like, other thing? It's, it's the thing about, like, when the All-Star weekend happens, right? And, like, how much of, like, the media, like, swells up on that. So it's like, I don't I think it would just naturally kind of happen, right? It's like, we're hitting the end of, like, 2019, right? So it's like, we're hitting all these, like, end of the decade, just, like, articles on just, like, anything, right? Like, so I, th- I think it's just, it would just naturally, like lend itself to stuff but yeah i think too though like from a casual person's perspective if you hear like let's say you're going to a bar with like me and you and you don't watch the nba and we're watching the mid-season tournament and we're all hyped about it it's like you have to explain that to the casual viewer like this is why this is important it's not the title but it's important and that makes sense from like a soccer perspective, right? Because you have all these cups and everything, and like yeah. tennis, you have all these cups and everything. But like NFL, you've got like you know your AFC NFC championship, and then the, f- the actual Super Bowl. And like college, you have all these bowl games, but those only matter because there's big rivalries, right? And like college football playoffs and stuff. But like you know, there's no. I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it would actually be close to like the college football system right where it's like only four teams get to go to the playoffs but then it's like you look at this here right it's like alabama is not going to be one of those four teams so whatever like alabama's like random bowl game is that's still gonna draw a lot of interest but this but like that's like not even like a really like that's not even like that competitive of a game whereas this actually has like like it blends back into the rest of the season right whether that's like affecting your draft picks or like your title odds or money or whatever, like it actually blends back into the season itself as opposed to being this like standalone throwaway type of tournament. But I think the way I'd like to see this happen logistically, because I don't know why I'm talking about this so much, but uh, like, I don't know, put it like right before the all-star break. So like maybe the last game happens like a day or two before all-star break. And then we can kind of talk about that in that weird gap time. And then it's like part of the narrative of all-star weekend is like the mid-season tournament sort of recovery period. And then it ties in with trades really well, because now you've got, uh, you know, let's say, you know, the Lakers were like the favorite to win the mid-season tournament and they fucking collapsed to like Boston or some shit. 
now they can somehow jigger a trade around i think that's just a good spot for it in like the timeline however that does concentrate everything in february which sucks uh see i was thinking get rid of like the christmas games and you put the tournament like a mid-season tournament around the holiday period oh that would work so too. it's like you just so it's like it's like in soccer basically you have a frenzy of games right around between kind of the 20th of december to kind of the 5th of january there's usually just a shit ton of games that happens because they're basically crammed in uh in the epl and so it's kind of the same thing it's like you basically have this frenzy of games where it's like you know balls to the walls just like yeah people gunning but i think this tournament needs to happen in seattle I think it needs to be held at a neutral site, and you put it in Seattle, and I think that could be fun. I like th- I like that idea actually the the Christmas tournament kind of thing because like people will watch it because they're at home they're gonna watch NBA basketball anyways like it's before or it's like just after the trade eligibility window so like you know fifteenth obviously being a trade is maybe it starts on like the twentieth or something so now you've got a couple yeah, days like to make you trades. Do like a mor- you almost do like a moratorium on like the regular season games but you have this tournament instead and then it's like like, it's not people's final like playoff roster so you won't necessarily see the exact same thing come all-star breaker playoff time so i think that's important too because now you get different looks you get different narratives like oh man derrick rose dropped average 30 points in the mid-season tournament and then he got traded it's like exactly i think i think it's like it could be a way of like boosting like somebody's trade value like artificially Right, where it's like somebody goes on a good run of games, and then all of a sudden they're able to like get another contract out of it. But um, the only other one that I saw that was like super interesting was basically somebody was like, "Well, if you're gonna do this whole like copy kind of like how soccer tournaments work, just go ahead and just copy like the FA Cup entirely." So like the FA Cup, like in England, basically is like open to like uh, basically even like amateur teams or like semi-professional teams. So it ends up being like 700 teams competing in, in like one tournament so it's like oh why not just like try to let like college play like uh the nba oh. like how awesome would it be if like <laughs> kentucky was if, like, like playing yeah, against let's philly say, let's say, yeah like let's say like we've always been talking about it right like that year that like kentucky had like colony towns and like booker and stuff and we were like they were like 30 and 0 or something then it's like would they be able to beat like you know the phoenix suns and it's like Dude, let's fucking see it. Like <laughs> that would be so awesome to watch. <laughs> because then it's like, could you imagine if you were like an NBA team and you lost to a college team? Like how fucking embarrassed you'd be? Yeah, but if you're like the Kings, it's like half your team's a college team anyways. Like I know, but there's something super embarrassing if like if the Kings were to lose to like I don't know, like LSU basketball. Like it just it still feels really fucking painful to watch. Of being like, shit, we got our ass kicked by a bunch of dudes who don't even get paid for this job. Oh, man. That'd be really cool. That'd be so much harder to work out. (laughs) Oh, man. uh, All right. The very last thing that I had for uh, this episode is, uh, since we're talking about Christmas, uh, the North Pole uh, is obviously topical. Who's more polarizing as a player? James Harden or Russell Westbrook? I think Harden's way more polarizing. I think it's flipped. I think people now believe Harden is the more polarizing player. Like, it's kind of crazy. I feel like everyone I've talked to about Harden either loves him or hates him. Like nobody's just like, oh yeah, he's pretty good, but I don't really like. I'm neutral. Like nobody says that about Harden. 
it's kind of weird. It's like I kind of just don't care about his regular season anymore, even though he's putting up like bonkers numbers again. But obviously, it's got like something's got to happen in the playoffs, right? Otherwise, like it's just like the people who care about like the NBA in terms of like the casualness or like the fantasy aspect, like probably love Harden, right? Because like your playoff numbers don't matter in the context of like regular season fantasy. But for people like us who actually like enjoy like the history of the game, it's like this dude has got to fucking do it at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's like he hasn't like. It's like we fit the pre cum phase, but we haven't actually like orgasmed yet. With <laughs> like, I I just like we I got just the taste in where... our mouth like a couple if years. This guy, if this guy doesn't end up. If this guy never wins the title, best player never win a title. I think he's in that conversation. I mean, I think definitely like Barkley. It's him and Charles Barkley, without a doubt. No, no question. That's like crazy to me. It's like, at least with Barkley, it's he's got a personality, so it's like okay, he can become like he can go on the TNT and do all the broadcasting stuff, right? Like James Harden would never do that. So it's like, even though Barkley didn't win the title, he's like still relevant, like twenty years later. But Harden obviously won't go into, like, broadcasting, right? Like, that dude just basically, like, never fucking gives, a, like, an interview. So, it's like, once he retires and he doesn't have a title, like, I think people will just kind of forget. Dude, imagine if, if Steph wasn't around. Like, all the kids would be imitating Harden, buying his shoes, doing the step-back threes. I don't think they would. I, I still think it's people gravitate towards Steph because he was winning the title. Like, that's the thing. If Steph wasn't around, I think you would just have more LeBron people. I think more and more kids would just try to play like LeBron. So they'd be like, oh, that's the guy that wins the title. Or, you know. Dude, I'm just so sick of going to the gym and seeing kids jack up threes all day long. It's like, God damn it. Play the normal game, people. Play the normal game. Calm down, boomer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm from the, uh, you know, the good old mid-2000s are still in my brain where it's... Uh... <laughs> Your point guard's actually a point guard. Sorry. I think the problem is that people are just shooting threes without realizing, like, there are other shots possible. Right? It's so, like, the thing with, like, Steph, right, is, like, he can hit the mid-range. He can hit the floaters. He goes for the layups. Like, it's not like he just sticks out by the threes. It's that he uses the threes to open up the inside part of the court for him, right? It's like this whole inverted thing, right? Like, for... For, like, ages and ages, right, people have been, like, shooting threes as a way to, like, extend their careers, right? Or, like, you know, hitting fadeaways. Like, that's basically what Jordan did and Kobe and Dirk and stuff. It was all just, like, a natural progression of their game was basically to become more and more, like, just, like, kind of like a standalone shooter. And Steph, he kind of just did it the opposite way. It was, like, the way of opening up our team's offense for me to actually just shoot threes. So it's not just like shooting threes at random. It's doing it for a purpose, which I don't think people have the patience for. Yeah, it's like people are like, everybody just heat checks their threes. Like they don't make threes to then make a layup. They just make a three and then they're like, oh, I made one. I'm going to make another one. (laughs) I think people think they're playing more like Steph and instead they're playing more like Dion Waiters. Yeah, out of the league and uh, disciplined by their team. (laughs) (laughs) He has to play the game, dude. <laughs> Dude, would Dion Waiters have won that Miami Heat game for them last night? That's the ultimate hot take. The thing is, is that like being Dion Waiters, yes, like he could. <laughs> but being Dion Waiters, 
No, he can't. <laughs> I don't know. That Kendrick Nunn fuck you three at the end of the game was pretty awesome, I guess. Dude, say. that dude, I don't know what the fuck Miami is fucking putting in their rookies right now, but like Jesus, those guys have got something good going. All right, and that will wrap us up for this episode of Heart and Paint Podcast. As always, you can follow us. We love your likes, comments, questions, suggestions, queries, and uh, petitions in our emails or in the comments or in the DMs, however you like to do that. Make sure you share a like, a comment, a subscribe, whatever you like to do, you beautiful people. And we'll see you all next time, probably uh, early next week for some more interesting and engaging hard in the paint nba questions this has been your podcast for december 14th we'll catch you on the flip-flop